Alright, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Yeah, you have a clean copy. Well, clean-ish. There's a few little smudges yeah, on it. Yeah, these are clean-ish copies. Wow. You ready? I'm ready. Let's okay. do this. All right, let's do it. So this is, um, tell me something I didn't need to know. Well, where would you like us to start? <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many places. So many places. Um, we have a, we have a co-host today of Johanna. She is here with us again. She's Hello. A, she's had a lot of fun, apparently, and just won't leave us alone. <laughs> Actually, I'm starting to think you like me a little bit. You keep asking me to come back. You make me giggle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. It absolutely is. So we have a lot of stuff today. Lots <laughs> and lots of stuff. I know. I'm so excited. And I'm almost organized. Oh, please. <laughs> no, really, look. Almost organized. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, I've been on vacation with you. Yeah? Yeah. It's almost organized. <laughs> it's always a good time. I know it is. It is, it is. All right, Mary. Yeah. So, kick us off here. All right. So, I know you scroll the internet a lot. And I, I know you find some bizarre things. Oh, yes, I do. Did you read about the kangaroos? No, but I did read about the hippo. Okay, I did not read about the hippo. I read about the kangaroos. Tell me about the kangaroos. Kangaroos communicate like humans. They use their middle finger? <laughs> I don't think quite like that, no. Oh, okay. All so, right. um, I came across this thing, and it's really cool. Researchers found that kangaroos intentionally communicate with humans, which is a behavior that they thought was only for domesticated animals. Oh, Right. Such as dogs, horses, goats. We're not going to include cats because cats are selfish. Um, so they did this study in London. I was unaware that there were kangaroos in London. Well, they may have zoos in London, so they probably have kangaroos. But anyway, yeah, they did this study in London at the university where they gave the kangaroos a box. And inside the box, it was like a plastic Tupperware box with a snap-on lid. And inside the box was food. Okay. Okay. So, obviously, the kangaroo could smell the food, so they knew the food was in there. Right. So, the kangaroo would try to open it. And when they failed to open it, the kangaroo would find the nearest human and look at them. Okay. Okay. And occasionally, they would even nudge them. Okay. Or take their, I'm not even sure if it's a paw or a hand, and... Scratch them a little as if going, hey, I could use a little help here, which Ooh, is kind of cool. All right, like, all right. like, I have a problem and I can't take care of it myself, so you have to help me. Okay. <laughs> the researchers had thought previously that only the domesticated animals would try and ask the human for help with something that they couldn't handle. But kangaroos do it too. So they, if they can't open the box, they look at the human and they look back to the container. They look to the human. Some of them use their noses to nudge the human, oh. like a dog or a cat would, like pay yeah. attention to me, yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool. And that some of cool. them would approach the human, walk up to him, and, and actually put their hand on him. And, you know, and they say scratch, but I don't see them scratching them. Ten out of the 11 kangaroos that they tested actually showed these behaviors. I thought this that was pretty cool. cool. Yes. I thought this was really cool. All right. Yeah. You want me to tell you about the hippo? Yeah. All right. So, Mary. Yes. <clears throat> South African farmer. Yes. You're going to read me the story you sent me, aren't you? Well, I'm not going to read you the story, but okay. I will tell you a little okay. bit about tell it. Tell me about the story. Okay. So, this the South African farmer. Yes. Um, he had a, a pet hippo that he Who? described as like a son to him. No, no. Are you Although, aware of the statistics of hippos and Hippos bats? are very dangerous. Oh, yes, they are. 
That is probably the one animal I have not asked my husband if I could have. And he's he turned, might say yes to that. He's one. turned everything else down. <laughs> ooh, ooh, how about how about a rhinoceros? It's like a unicorn. I heard rhinoceros are pretty dangerous too. Rhinoceros? Rhinoceros. It doesn't matter because when you're running the hell away from them, it doesn't matter what you call them. They're still going to get you in the ass with their horn. The South African farmer, um, he adopted... Already not a bright one. No. <laughs> no, we do not adopt hippos. He, he adopted the hippo. Okay. He named the hippo Humphrey. The hippo. So it was found as a calf. Okay. All right, so he'd had it okay. for a while. Okay. Um, so did they bond? Yes. He actually... He, he claimed that Humphrey would respond to his calls, liked to play with him, and that he would even brush the hippo's teeth. There's, um, there's actually footage of him riding okay. Humphrey. And Humphrey okay. weighs 2,000 pounds. I got something. I got something. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm almost afraid. Did he floss him too? <laughs> God only knows. What do you use to floss a hippo's teeth? Twine? <laughs> Maybe. So so the farmer, um, his his name is his last name's Els. Okay? His last name was Els? Was did you Els. say? Um, so he said, it's a little bit dangerous, but I trust him with my heart that he will not harm anybody. I can swim with him and go in the water. He allows me to get on his back and I ride him like a horse. This is not going to end well for one of them. I already feel it. He is like a son to me. Well, Humphrey, Maurice Els. Okay, hum- Humphrey's yes, Papa. Okay. Uh, he was found dead in a river recently, having been bitten repeatedly by Humphrey. His like a son. He's a wild animal. What do you honestly, honestly, what do you expect? All right, so well, I'm sorry for Mr. Els. So, I am. It said that he was found immersed in a river, and he had been bitten several times by the animal. It was unclear how long he may have been in the water. And here is what Els had said prior to this. Oh, not after? No, no, definitely not after. (laughs) There is a relationship between me and Humphrey, and that's what some people don't understand. No! They think you can only have a relationship with cats and domestic animals. No. But I have a relationship with the most dangerous animal in Africa. No, you don't anymore. You don't anymore. Okay, people don't adopt hippos. Really don't adopt a hippo. Wow. It takes all, right. all kinds to make the world go round, Mary. Okay. On that note, we need a drink. <laughs> you want to talk about your drink first? Um, so today, our first drink of the day, in honor of the fact that Christmas is coming soon. Yeah. We are drinking a beautiful and very tasty drink called Santa's Ho-Ho. Ho-Ho-Ho-Ho. Oh, 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 oh. That's right. <laughs> There's a couple of them at the table. O's? Drinks. Oh, I was going to say, speak for yourself. Wow, Mary, you called me a lot of things, but that one was going to surprise me. Anyway. Uh, so, Santa's Ho-Ho. Uh, oh, sorry, Santa's Little Ho-Ho. Ho-Ho's, because there's two of them on the table. Um, <laughs> you start with crushing strawberries. Okay. You add a bottle of ginger ale, and then you add a bottle of champagne. So it was like a 20-ounce bottle of ginger ale? Well, it, it just, the recipe didn't specify. It said one bottle of ginger ale, one bottle of champagne. Okay, we'll go with that. All right. So when I put our ginger ale in the glass, I did fill the glass halfway with the strawberries and ginger ale and halfway with the champagne. 
That so is, it is equal amounts. That's amazing. It's really light tasting. It's beautiful. It's unbelievably gorgeous to look at. It is. It's is really incredibly light. Incredibly tasty. So we did crush our strawberries by hand. I do think that the next time I would take Mary's advice and throw them in your blender or ninja. Yeah, and pulverize and them. And pulverize them. Um, it's good. But it is tasty. It's good, and it's it was quick, too. Yes, it was. Okay. So in the spirit of Christmas and the holiday that's coming, I opened a bottle, <laughs> poured it in a crock pot. Oh, Mary. <laughs> do you need a vacation now? It's a lot of work. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Um, this actually comes from Germany, and it is called Kris Kringle Apple Punch. It is a specialty of the Kris Kringle market from Germany. All right. And it is, um, it's an apple punch, and it has cinnamon and nutmeg in it. It is pretty. No, cinnamon and cloves. I lied. Cinnamon and cloves. So I That's put it. That's it. You're fired. You can't fire me. And you're grounded. You're, I entertain you. And you I'm can. taking your credit card shopping. You've crossed the line. <laughs> So I actually just put it in the little crock pot and turned it on keep warm. It smells lovely. It's a beautiful clear color. Oh. It's fairly nice. I like this. That is very nice. It is very nice. Yeah. Damn, we're good. <laughs> All right, Mary. This is going to be a great podcast because we have a lot to drink and a lot to talk about. We sure do. So there was a woman in Australia. Just one? There's probably more than one, but we're just going to talk about one real quick. <laughs> okay. She's a veterinarian. Oh. She goes to the local corner store, convenience store. Did she find a unicorn there? No. She just needed to quick pick something up and whatever it was, was like $4 and some odd cents. This is in Australia? This is in Australia. I know everything in Australia wants to kill you, right? I don't believe that this is about death. Oh, okay. Okay. So she goes to this corner store. She picks up whatever she is. It's $4 and some odd cents. And the clerk looks at her and says, you can't pay with a credit card. There's a $5 limit. So she needs less than a dollar to put her to the limit of using her credit card. So she looks to her left and she sees the display of scratch-off tickets. She sees one that has a sheep on it that's riding on a roller coaster, and she says, I'm a vet, that's a sheep, give me one of those. That's Cost funny. a dollar. You and I would pick a lottery ticket based on that. We absolutely would. I think we've picked we've, alcohol that way. We've not quite been as lucky as she was. She's the big one. $10,000. Heck yes, Good Merry for Christmas to oh, her. Yeah, yes, that's what I said. Because she picked amazing. out a sheep on a roller coaster, which is exactly what you and I... We either do it like that, or we go, I would like one of all your $1 tickets. <laughs> yeah, we've been known to do that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, well, I know. That is terrific. So here's another idea for us. This has nothing to do with We're Australia. Going to Las Vegas? Well, we could. I've been there. We can rent I our, won there. We're going to take a private jet. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, is, is, it, wait, is this a Boeing 727? <laughs> I found it. <laughs> Yay! Um, this was another fun thing that I found today. Today is a day full of Oh my gosh, facts. I know. You can rent a private jet. You can rent a private jet, actually, less expensively than you can fly commercially. I, I'm just thinking. Here's the thing. Yeah. The last time I flew, yeah. I flew two of us round trip. Yeah. From Chicago to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Got to pick our seats. Mm -hmm. Got to check baggage. Okay. Cost me less than $300 total between the two of us. If let, you let can, me, if you let, can rent me a jet that will get me to Las Vegas and back for under $300, i am in. Let me, re, let, me rephrase, let me restate this. We can rent a jet. A private jet where you bypass the TSA. You bypass the whole take my shoes off, put my belt in a bucket, 
get screened. You don't get screened. You can bypass that. We can park our car. We can get out of our car. We can show our ID. We get in a jet. We go, and, when, and when the door opens, our car is right there. And we get <laughs> off, and we get back in our car and go home. No security checks. They don't ban any liquids. You take whatever you want on this jet. Oh, this is going to be dangerous. You order any food you want. They don't ever bring it to you, but you can order it. No, they do bring it to you. You leave when you want. You come home when you want. And your luggage stays with you, so you don't have to wait around for that. Okay. For less than the price of what you paid. Really? And how is this possible? Because JetSuite.com. This is what I do with my spare time. (laughs) You and I. Can go sleep in a plane. Because you and I can't do it separately. And four of our closest friends can rent this jet one way for $536 each way. And that's less than $90 per person. And that that includes your taxes. Where are we limited to fly? They fly all over the place. They have 2,200 destinations they go to throughout the United States. All right. Just saying. This is what I together. We're going to Vegas. Wow. You know when Lynn hears this, she's going to be pissed because we didn't, like, stop and pick her up. <laughs> um, I have to tell you that Phoenix is farther than Vegas. Vegas is between here and Phoenix. Okay. So we're not stopping to pick her up. Oh. <laughs> because yeah. we would have to fly over Vegas. Yeah. To pick her up and then turn around and go back to, to Vegas. So you rent you rent the whole jet, the whole entire jet, which is six seats for you and me and four of our four people that we pay to be our friends. <laughs> Just gonna say Mary. We don't have four friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So we just need to find four people that we actually want to travel with. Yeah. That's an amazing idea. Alright. So when I went to Vegas, I really hate gambling. I'm not against it. I just find it incredibly boring. So so while I was in Vegas on Dad's birthday, because Dad, Dad liked to do the casino thing. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So in honor of Dad, I, I went and I got a card and I, I put $10 on it. Okay. All right. I'm going to find a slot machine that I think Dad would have played. Yes. Just, I'm just going to know it when I see it. Eventually, off in this corner, I find, I want to say it was like a nickel slot. Ooh, yay. And as soon as I saw it, I knew that this was it. It was called Seven Daughters. Dad had seven daughters. That poor man. So I sat down, and I played for about 15 minutes, and then I said, all right, Dad, I'm good. And I walked out of there with $42.38. Good for you. You quadrupled your money. It's like the woman with the sheep on the lottery ticket. Yes. Today is um, December 20th. We are celebrating National Sangria Day. Oh, and why are we not drinking the sangria? Um, Because you only have two hands. You already have two drinks. Drink faster. There's a lot more to come. (laughs) Uh, The Spanish have spiked the punch, and we are definitely here for that. Hell yes. Whether you prefer white sangria or red sangria, a nice chilled one is... one in each hand. No doubt refreshing and instantly transports you to the sandy beaches of Spain in the summer. So the early Greeks and the Romans... They used to mix their wine with sugar, some spices, and whatever else they had on hand. Um, they called these drinks hippocross, and they sometimes heated it up like mulled wine, which we did with our apple punch tonight. Yeah. And hippocross is the common precedent of both mulled wine and sangria. So, hey. Yes, Mary. We're going to get our drink on. Woohoo. Yeah. All right. So, my national day for the day is actually an international day. So, December 20th is known <clears throat> as International Human Solidarity Day. So this is uh, an annual Unity Day. It is hosted by the United Nations and its member states. It was 
introduced in 2005 during the World Summit. Um, so its main goal is really to recognize the universal values of the poor by making the associated countries aware of reducing poverty and also to formulate countermeasures as signed by the independent states. However, really, one of the things that when I was doing some research about it that was recommended for the general population outside of the government was for you to take some time and think about what does solidarity mean to you and how can you practice it? Oh, I like that. Solidarity Day. Solidarity. International solidarity. I mean, that just has a good ring to it. In a couple of days, we're all going to celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you choose to call it. There's a lot of different words for this particular day, and some people don't even celebrate it on, on the 25th. Some Christmas traditions from around the world. Yay! So in Sweden, they have what they call the Yule Goat. They make him of straw. The goat is more than 42 feet high. They make a new one every year. He is, okay, so he's more than 42 feet high, 23 feet wide, and he weighs 3.6 tons. Which is like 7,000 pounds a year. They do construct the massive goat and they construct him in the exact same spot. That is very cool. In the Philippines, the city of San Fernando holds what they call the Giant Lantern Festival, which represents the Star of Bethlehem. Now, we're going to move to Japan. We're going, we're going around the world. The Japanese people do not actually celebrate Christmas Day, except, yeah, Christmas Day. Oh, I they call know it, that. They call December 25th Kentucky for Christmas. Any thoughts on why? You know it's going to be off the wall. Well, if it wasn't for the fact that it's Japan, I would say bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not bourbon. All right. Families gather together for a very traditional meal at the nearest Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> kind of like some Americans go to the Chinese buffet on Christmas Day. The South Africans celebrate with a cookout that includes marinated steaks and sausages. I would like to go. There. I'm thinking that that sounds delicious. Salvador has fireworks, and they give all their children firecrackers, Aww. which is kind of cool. The Netherlands, the children put their shoes either by the fireplace or by the back door. Right. And in the morning, they are filled with gingerbread men, marzipan, and chocolate letters. So I'm not sure. <clears throat> I cannot remember which European country it is. I want to say the Netherlands, but I feel like that might be incorrect. They actually have a Christmas tradition where the night before, you gift each other a book. Yes. And then you spend the evening reading your book and drinking hot cocoa. Yes. And I'm like, oh. That is the perfect, perfect tradition. So last but not least, we're going to go to Poland. Ooh. On Christmas Eve, dinner may never, ever begin until the first star shows in the sky. And there's always an extra plate set at the table. What if it's overcast? You're going hungry. <laughs> All right. It's just, it's super cool. I did a lot of research. Every country seems to do something different. And there's just, I mean, there's no way I could have covered them all. It's just really cool that people have such different traditions. I think it would be amazing if our listeners wanted to share on our Facebook page or email you with their own family traditions. Oh, and we yes. could we could share yes. them on the next podcast. Yeah. I would love to that hear about be, other people's Christmas traditions. That would be super, super cool. Or your New Year's traditions, because yeah. you know we're gonna be we're entering New Year's. Yeah. So I mean, we, we have a few traditions. I don't know if Mary still follows some of these, but every year everyone in my household gets a new ornament. 
Yes, I've always and done that for my, my children, kids, yes. When my kids moved out, they had a good amount of ornaments to start their own tree with that meant something to yes. them. The cool thing is, is my husband does not listen to the podcast. So um, when we were on vacation, I actually, we stopped at an antique place and I yep. bought him that really cool antique ornament. So that's well, what he's getting know, this year. funny because I bought your husband a Christmas ornament at an antique shop while we were on vacation as well. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no, you know what it is. I, I showed you, remember? Yeah. Yeah, so that's very exciting. Yes, yes, that is still a tradition. Obviously, today is going to be about Christmas stuff. Sweet. Yes. So I'm going to start because I have the coolest story. Oh, okay. okay. It is the coolest story, and it's a place that's very near and dear to not only your and my hearts, oh. but some of our listeners as well. Oh, hold on. Is it in Pennsylvania? It is. Is it in Ambridge? It is close. Oh. I'm it is actually 30 minutes north of Ambridge up Highway 65. Oh. In a little town, Chippewa Township. So it started with a stolen turkey. It sounds like my kind of story. All right. So Cindy Turconi woke up one morning before Thanksgiving to find that the inflatable turkey that her family displays every year had been replaced by an 18-foot 18 <laughs> Frosty the Snowman. Towering thought, over her home in Chippewa Township. I, I legitimately thought you were going to say an 18-pound frozen turkey. No. An 18-foot Frosty the Snowman. Okay. That's okay. so much better. Okay. Every few days after that, two or three more households awoke to find giant smiling snowmen on their lawns. I kind of love this. This is awesome. <laughs> I know. This is so cool. Uh, as of the next Wednesday, locals said the inflatables had appeared outside approximately 60 homes. That's a lot of money, whoever's doing this. Yes, because we covered the co- we're going to cover the cost in this, too. Um, most of the homes were primarily in the Highland Meadows neighborhood. Okay. Okay. So who's behind the mysterious case of the appearing snowman? According to the locals, an unidentified group of teenagers who are wearing Buddy the Elf costumes. Oh, my God, this is awesome. And reindeer costumes have been installing the decorations while blasting Christmas tunes out of a van. Oh my god, I love this! I know. At first, the band of elves worked to install the inflatables in the middle of the night when everybody was asleep. Right. But as anticipation for the snowmen grew, they began setting up the decorations earlier so the families could watch. Oh. It was it was actually said in, in some of the articles I read that the families would hear them coming down the road and come and watch because their music was that loud. That's amazing. So it is actually unknown who hired the elves, but neighbors are guessing it is someone in their neighborhood or a local business owner because because each each of the Frosty the Snowmen cost $399.95. And so they put over 60 of them up. All right. right. I mean, okay. that's an insane amount of money. Um, it is also guessed that they ran out of snowmen because they are now installing different ones. <laughs> oh. So that's what we're leading off with. Something right. good, something fun, something amazingly awesome. That is pretty awesome. Yes. All right. So Mary. Yeah. Mistletoe. Okay. So we were kind of wondered about what a weird tradition. I mean, like, where does this come from? I've never seen live, actual, like, real, authentic mistletoe. I've only ever seen the, like, I've fake, had it. kind of dried, weird It's kind of ugly. Oh, all right. I have really cool fake mistletoe. Yes. Mistletoe. Yeah. So mistletoe is actually a plant that grows on a range of trees. Okay. Including willow trees, apple trees, and oak trees. No, it does not. It does. The look on her face is pretty good. 
I have apple trees, and I can tell you right now there's no mistletoe growing in them. I also have apple trees, and um, and we grew up with oak trees, and I have never seen mistletoe growing in them. I don't, I don't know exactly where. So the tradition of hanging mistletoe in the house goes back to the times of the ancient druids. It is supposed to possess mystical powers. Okay. Which bring good luck to the household and ward off evil spirits. I believe in that kind of stuff, too. Kind of like smudging your house with sage. Yeah, believe in that stuff. Mistletoe was also used as a sign of love and friendship in Norse mythology. But the custom of kissing under the mistletoe actually comes from England. Oh? The earliest recorded date mentioning kissing under the mistletoe is in 1784 in a musical. The name mistletoe comes from two Anglo-Saxon words. Missile, which means dung. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And tan, which means twig or stick. (laughs) Poop on a stick. (laughs) Yes, so mistletoe could could literally be translated into a poo stick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Alrighty, so Germany is actually credited credited with starting the Christmas tree tradition as we know it now. I would not have guessed that. They started in the 16th century when devout Christians would bring home trees into their homes and decorate them. Some of them built Christmas pyramids and decorated them with evergreens and candles. So it is a widely held belief that Martin Luther, who was a 16th century Protestant reformer, first added lighted candles to a tree. One night he was walking toward his home, winter. He was composing a sermon in his head. He looked off. He was awed by the brilliance of stars twinkling amidst the evergreen trees in the distance. Recapture the scene for his family. He erected a tree in their main room of their home, and he wired the branches with lighted candles. Sounds dangerous. So most 19th century Americans actually found Christmas trees to be an oddity. The first record of one being on display was in the 1830s by the German settlers of Pennsylvania. Oh, Pennsylvania! Again. Although trees had been a tradition in many of the German homes for much, you know, since much earlier. Right. Um, but that was before they kind of moved into Pennsylvania. So the Pennsylvania German settlements had community trees as early as 1747. That's very cool. But as late as the 1840s, Christmas trees were still seen as pagan symbols and were not actually accepted by most Americans. That really surprises me. I would not have guessed that it was that long, mm-hmm. that it doesn't soon feel like, ago. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. That soon ago? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that just seems like such a short period of time. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would totally agree with you. That's very interesting. So that's just a little bit, tidbits on Christmas trees. All right, Mary. All right. So a seven-year-old boy. Yes. He was stopped by police in northern Germany. What is a seven-year-old boy doing out? Well, he was trying to plow snow with a front loader (laughs) he borrowed from his parents' business. not. I feel like our boys would have done this, Mary. There's a very good possibility our children would have done this. All right. So officers on patrol found the boy atop the three and a half meter tall, that's 11 and a half foot tall, head. How the Excavator. How did he get up there? He's a monkey. He climbed. Oh, children do climb. They climb well. Uh, yeah, hello. We both raised boys. Yes, you're right. They do. So um, they found him up on top of the ex- excavator after... He had cleared the street in the town of Rheinfeld, and he was driving back to the parking lot. Oh, my God. (laughs) Now, to the boy's credit, he did notice the police car behind him, and he stopped immediately. How did he reach the pedals? I don't know. This doesn't even make sense. I mean, listen, maybe he's a lot taller than I am, even though he's only seven. (laughs) Okay. 
So, the boy sees the police, and he, he stops immediately. Okay. And the police officer reports. He opened the door, he got out, and admitted immediately that he did not have a driving license. <laughs> when asked while he, why he had begun plowing, he said his father had complained about the state of the roads. He saw the key in the ignition of the excavator, and he set off to fix his father's complaint. <laughs> Police chose to simply retrieve the key from the excavator and return the key and the boy to his mother. <laughs> That's an awesome story. Good story. Good story. I like feel-good stories. Oh, absolutely. I hope that the parents didn't punish the boy too no. much. I, I, I really hope they didn't. No. So, modern Christmas cookies can actually trace their history to recipes from medieval Europe. What? Yes. Medieval or Europeans made biscuits when many such modern ingredients like cinnamon and sugar, black pepper, almonds, dried fruit were introduced into the West. Oh. So, by the 16th century, Christmas biscuits had become popular all across Europe. And the earliest examples of Christmas cookies in the United States were brought by the Dutch in the early 17th century. Are they shaped like a windmill? No, no. In Canada and United States, since the 1930s, which tells you when this tradition started, children have left cookies and milk on the table for Santa Claus on Christmas Aww. Eve. So gingerbread has existed in some form since... I love gingerbread. I know. Love gingerbread. Fresh out of the oven. Um, so it has existed since sugars and spices were brought back to Europe from soldiers in the Crusades. So that's a long time yeah, ago. However, it was not until Queen Victoria and Prince Albert included it with a variety of other German Christmas traditions that the gingerbread cookie actually became primarily associated with Christmas. So, also called Amish sugar cookies or Nazareth sugar cookies, the modern day sugar cookie was created by the Moravians who settled in the Nazareth area from Germany. I actually make Amish sugar cookies. Um, This was during the mid-18th century. Oh, nice. Pennsylvania adopted the Nazareth sugar cookie as the official state cookie in 2001. That's very awesome because I've been making Amish sugar cookies since the early 2000s. So another cookie called the Springer Springerly has been a traditional Christmas cookie in South Germany. Oh. Um, in Australia, Austria for centuries. They okay. are anise-flavored cookies made from an egg, flour, sugar dough. They're usually made in simple shapes, such as rectangles or or circles. And you will recognize this. After shaping, they usually have a picture or a design pressed into the soft dough with a specially carved rolling pin or press. Yeah. After they are baked, the designs are sometimes colored if the intention is to use the cookie as a decoration. Oh. All right, Mary. Yes. So during the Anderson Christmas Parade in Columbia, South Carolina... Okay. In 2006. Okay. Onlookers were in for quite a surprise. The celebration endured quite a ruckus when one of the floats broke from the formation and sped off down Main no Street. No way! With passengers still on top of the float. <gasps> oh my. <laughs> During oh my. the parade, my God. 42-year-old David, David Allen Rogers was tasked with helming the aforementioned float. The float set voyage with multiple people atop of it. Okay. Including Roger's own child. Uh Uh-oh. Turns out that just before the event began, Roger's began drinking. (laughs) And I don't think David, what did we tell you about that? I don't think he was (laughs) drinking apple juice. Police later discovered the alcohol in his vehicle 
opened and partially consumed. Probably not the first one either. Uh, so Rogers, during the parade, broke formation and took his float, speeding up the road. <laughs> he blasted through a red light, and the frightening ordeal forced one of the people on board to call 911 for help. Oh, my God. I would like to hear that 911 call, please. <laughs> right? When the police arrived, Rogers, however, kept driving three miles. How fast do floats go? I don't know, but I would like to say that, A, he sped off. Which means that the float is traveling much faster at this point than it was ever intended to. Be there are people on top of it. See, the driver is drunk, and I'm pretty sure I would be terrified. Yeah. I would definitely not ever volunteer to ride on a float again. So, he kept, he kept driving three miles. Finally, he pulls over. Unfortunately, the chaos doesn't stop there, though. Okay. Once he has pulled over, he attempts to assault a police officer and is eventually subdued, ended up facing over... Three dozen charges. Oh, for God's sakes, David. Ready? What did we tell you about drinking, David? The charges did include DUI. Okay. Assaulting an officer. Okay. And 18 counts of kidnapping. Oh, my God's sakes. Oops. <laughs> Not well thought out. Not a well thought out plan. Those oh, poor, poor my people. gosh. Okay. All right, Mary. Um, this is another place that I'm a little tiny bit familiar with, and some of our listeners will be very familiar with. Ooh, all right. There is a real-life Father Christmas Okay. that has left shoppers in a Devon village in England. Oh, Bewildered. Oh, okay. Because he went to the supermarket, and he secretly slipped envelopes cash into their baskets. Oh. With notes inside, wishing them. That's amazing. Yes. So the generous man who has not been identified secretly slotted all the cash-filled envelopes into their shopping baskets, complete with letters wishing them a Merry Christmas before he swiftly disappeared. It is understood that at least 12 people, including a retired couple, were the lucky targets of this very amazing Good Samaritan in the days leading up to Christmas. All of this excitement happened outside the Tesco supermarket in Samford per Heverell, Devon, England. One lady who is in her 70s delightfully added, we are hugely grateful to this man for such a lovely gift. I should have said that with a really good accent. Mary, you and I should not attempt accents. I think I we have established this. Yes, I, I'm aware. Please don't do it on the podcast. I have before. It's not just about the money, she said. It just makes us feel good that there are people out there who are genuinely good and selfless and that they realize that there is more to life than money. Yes, he handed out 50-pound notes in these envelopes. How amazing is that? I know. I know. I love I love that honest-to-God goodwill with no expectation in return. I don't even want to be recognized. That is <clears throat> that is very awesome. Yes. In mid-April, 1988, just a you know, few years ago. 22. Shh. <laughs> uh, Mary, you can't do math because 32. <laughs> Thank you. 45-year-old Michael J. Anderson escaped from federal prison. Following his escape, Anderson went on a spree of robberies. He robbed around 33. Holy crap! Southern California Bank. That's a spree. Before police finally arrested him in La Puenta. Police were only able to locate him thanks to a tip from someone who recognized him from wanted posters, which appeared in local newspapers at the time. Okay. Anderson earned himself the moniker, the Santa Claus Bandit. Because of his long, grayish white hair and the gray beard he wore during many of his robberies. That's not going to make you stand out, is it? Upon arriving 
at the La Punta residence where he was arrested. The police arrested both Anderson and the owner of the home, 40-year-old Ernest Martinez. They arrested Anderson on robbery charges as well as a federal arrest warrant, probably for escaping. And Martinez, on the other hand, was charged simply with violating parole. (laughs) Wow. You might want to ditch anything about yourself. That makes you stand out. Yes. Yes, exactly. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right? All righty. So the custom of sending Christmas cards was started in the United Kingdom in 1843 by Sir Henry Cole. He was a senior civil servant who helped set up the new public record office, which we now call the post office. He was an assistant keeper there, and he wondered how it could be used more by just regular, ordinary, everyday people. Apparently, apparently when it was set up, it wasn't used like it is today. So the first Christmas cards usually had pictures of the nativity scene on them. In late Victorian times, they would have robins, and they would have snow scenes. And in those times, the postmen were nicknamed Robin Postmen because of the red uniforms that they wore. So what you're telling me is that Christmas cards didn't always feature families wearing ugly sweaters and funny hats? No, I'm going to say no. They did not. Darn it. Snow scenes were popular because they reminded people of the very bad winter that happened in the United Kingdom in 1836. I'm not sure why people wanted to be reminded of that, but okay. Christmas cards appeared in the United States in the late 1840s. So right around around Christmas trees. Right around the time Christmas trees became a little more popular. Yeah. So the cool thing is that the very first known personalized Christmas card was sent in 1891 by Annie Oakley. Oh. She was a famous sharpshooter and she was a star of Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. We've all heard of her. She was in Glasgow, Scotland at Christmas time. And she sent cards back to her family and friends in the United States featuring a photo of her on it. Oh, look. All the way back in, what, 1891? Yes! All right. Yes! Very cool. And, you know, photographs were expensive back then. It Um, wasn't like go to Walgreens and print out, you know, 50 cards for 20 bucks. So because she was in Scotland, the picture of her, she's wearing a tartan. That's very cool. I know. It is reported that she designed the cards herself, and they were printed by a local printer for her. How cool. I know. So in the 1910s and the 1920s, homemade cards became very popular. And they were often car- they were often uh, cut out in unusual shapes, and then people would put ribbons and foil and stuff like that on them. Right. Um, generally, though, those ones were like too delicate. You didn't send them through the post. You just delivered them by hand. That's very cool, though. Yeah. All right. A little bit of crack Christmas cards. Christmas Eve should be an evening of excitement <clears throat> and anticipation, unless you are a parent who has you know multiple children and you've had to wait until they went to bed on Christmas Eve to put together. All the stinking toys. Oh, Jesus, we've all been there. Oh, <laughs> That you had to find some place to hide God. so they didn't find them. So, it certainly, however, was not an evening of excitement and anticipation for a South Carolina couple in 2013. On this night, 44-year-old Helen Williams had a thirst for beer like never before. <laughs> she just had to have a beer. Unfortunately, her husband was not able to purchase the beer because all of the stores were closed for the remainder of Christmas. So according to Williams, what happened next was this. Her husband slipped and cut himself, causing immense bleeding all over the house. I'd just like to say I'm already suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. According to police, the reality is that Williams attacked her husband in a fit of rage. She really wanted that beer. Oh, but wait, it gets better. (laughs) But isn't that usually my line? 
today it's mine. <laughs> Specifically, she attacked her husband with a ceramic squirrel. She used it to beat him over the head. Oh, no. <laughs> this isn't funny. And then proceeded to use it to stab him <gasps> in the shoulder and the ass. <laughs> she did not. Despite her claims that her husband had slipped and fallen, she apparently couldn't give a straight answer as to why she was also covered in his blood. Her husband survived the ordeal. Thank God. And upon her arrest, she was charged with criminal domestic violence. The moral of this story is, even if you're not sure anybody's going to drink it, buy your beer before Christmas Eve and hide your ceramic squirrels. Jesus. Yes. Or just come to, just come to our houses because, we trust have me, beer. there's plenty of there's alcohol. There's all beer here. There's plenty of alcohol. Wasteling. Oh, yes. Wasteling is a very ancient custom that is not done very often today. I know someone who does this. Do you? I do. Her name's Miranda. The word wastel comes from an Anglo-Saxon phrase, waste, hall, which means good health. Yeah. Originally, the wastel was a drink made of malt ale, which we've kind of talked about a little bit, curdled cream, roasted apples, eggs, cloves, ginger, nutmeg, and sugar. For the record, I think I'm going to pass on the original because that sounds disgusting. So they served it in um, huge bowls that were made from silver or pewter, which yeah. obviously is was important. So there's a legend about how wasteling was created. It is said that a very, very beautiful Saxon maiden named Rowena presented Prince Vortigen with a bowl of wine, and she toasted him with the words, Waste Hall. And over the centuries, a great deal of ceremony developed around this custom of drinking wastel. The bowl was carried into a room with great fanfare, ceremony, and a traditional carol about the drink is sung. And then finally, lastly but not least, the steaming hot beverage is served. You ever fake sick to get out of school or work? Nope. Liar. Well, okay, school. A lot of school. So during the 2014 holiday season, there is a gentleman who took this idea to a whole new level. Awesome. We like new levels. So this man, otherwise known as 27-year-old Gerard Dupree. Sounds French to me. Sounds French to me. Was joined by 30-year-old Taurus Scott. He likes older women. And they were going to uh, pull off a, a very strange heist. Okay. At a Lake Wales Walmart. Lake Wales Walmart. Did the they record, get dressed for this heist? For, for the record, I'd just like to already say, this is a bad idea. <laughs> okay. So when the two men arrived at, at the Lake Wales Walmart, okay. they entered and they placed three items into a shopping. You want to guess what three items? A TV, some type of video game system, and a car seat. <laughs> Well, you said guess. <laughs> almost. Okay. You're almost correct on one of them. Okay. Almost correct on one. We have a car seat, don't we? <laughs> okay. You're almost correct on two of them. Okay. All right. Okay. A leapfrog tablet. Yeah, I was way off on that one. Kind of like a video game system of some sort. Okay. 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 All, All right. right. Well, give me half credit for a, that. A Barbie car. Almost like a car seat, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it has car seats in it. We could put a... Barbie car seat in the car. Barbie cars. Yeah, we'll give half credit for that one. And one Barbie glam vacation house. Might have had a TV in there. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So they have young children at home. They equaled about $369 worth of merchandise. Right. Barbie's not cheap. <laughs> so Scott remained with the cart full of quote-unquote Christmas gifts. And Dupree approached one of the store's exits. That's when Dupree grabbed his chest and fell to the ground. 
faking a heart attack to distract <laughs> the security guards at the store. Okay. <laughs> so while all eyes were on him, Scott strolls right out the door with his cart full of stuff. So here's where they go wrong. So once that Scott has cleared the doors, Dupree stands up, hands off his chest, and walks out the front like nothing happened. For God's sakes. <laughs> So the not-so-bright duo meets up in the parking lot, and they drive off. <laughs> I got nothing. I, honest to God, I got nothing. But wait, their troubles are not over. No freaking doubt. They, <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about them if they got away. Right. So the holiday heist seems like it's it's over. They're, They're done, good. Right? They're high-fiving each other yep, going down the highway. Yep. However, security surveillance. So the entire crime has been caught on film. Of course. And saved for the police, okay. who study it. Yes. And eventually the two are arrested and they are charged with grand theft. Had they decided to, like, get in line, get to the cashier, pull a gun, and attempt to rob her, that would have made it a federal crime. Oh, okay. So it's just grand theft. Just grand theft. Oh. No, no, big, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> so there you go. You're going to steal from Walmart. Steal like these two did. Yeah, so you don't get in so much trouble. Be a little smarter. Or how about, about you just not steal? You know, we're not condoning stealing. If you're if you're gonna do this and you're going to your partner's gonna fake a heart attack. You might want to go all the way through with it. I was just gonna say, you know, you're gonna have to commit to following through all the way. Ambulance ride to the hospital, you know. So it's been a really rough year. Really rough year. Well people have made a lot of changes. Yeah. People are eating at home more. Money's a little bit tighter for a lot of people right now. Yes it is. It is. So I know you're familiar with ramen noodles. Only because my children all seem to think they're amazing. A lot of people think they're amazing or they wouldn't sell them. Well, in Britain, they call them pot noodles. Okay, I can understand that. They call them pot noodles. I can understand that. In America, pot noodles, whole different (laughs) ball of wax. The British decided, you know, they needed to come up with something to raise money for British troops. So, and, And Americans do this too. They do things so that... The American troops who are stationed abroad can get phone cards to call back home and yeah. talk to their loved ones. Yeah, they do. So the British decided to do this too. Right. So they got together with this company that sells pot noodles, and they said, okay, let's come up with a product, and then a specific percentage of each sale will go towards the troops to buy phone cards so they can call home during the holidays for their loved ones. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Yes, it does. Okay. So you can buy this particular pot noodle for... <sighs> Um, in U.S. dollars, it would be $1.77. How many am I getting? You're getting one. This particular pot noodle. <laughs> most expensive thing you've ever eaten in your was life. Was made specifically for Christmas. Are they red and green? If it's most budgets, it's made by Unilever, which we're familiar with. That is a manufacturer here in the States. Oh, yes. Very familiar. It is a... F- Don't they make soap? That is one of the things they make. It is a fusion of turkey, stuffing, and all the trimmings. <laughs> <laughs> I just thrown up in my mouth. <laughs> Two pence from each sale will go to buy phone time for the British troops. Listen, I'd rather just donate a dollar seventy-five to the uh, troops. <laughs> I will pay you a dollar seventy-five not to have to eat it. <laughs> just not the turkey stuffing. Maybe yes, fine. Okay, don't be throwing the cranberry sauce and the green bean casserole and the pumpkin pie. And the pumpkin pie with my shit. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I told you times were tough. <laughs> Oof. I'm not sure that there's any times that are going to be tough enough for me to put that in my mouth. <laughs> okay. 
All right. We'll go with it. All right. So when most people think about home invasions, they think about events similar to films like The Strangers or Assault on Precinct 13 or Home Alone. A calculated group of creeps breaking into a building to terrorize the innocent folks within. That would be a home invasion. Exactly. This was not the case in a 2011 home invasion case, however. Okay. 44-year-old Terry Trent broke into the Henderson household through their back door. He did not attempt to terrorize the homeowners. Okay, good for you, Terry. You've got, you know, that's one point in your favor. He was, however, high on bath salts. <laughs> did not see that come. <laughs> Didn't. Not my choice of high. <laughs> Instead, he snuck into the home after breaking in the back door. He lit candles on a coffee table and in the oh, kitchen. He began watching TV. He turned the volume up really loud, which then awoke the 11-year-old boy sleeping upstairs. No. Home alone. No, I don't know if the boy was home alone. Um, the, the boy came downstairs and discovered Trent sitting on the couch watching TV after he just hung a Christmas wreath on the family's garage door. No, I did not. He was apparently very polite to the boy. Well, good. All high people should be polite. Apparently, he said to um, to the mom, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. I'll get my things and go. (laughs) I'm out of here. (laughs) So mom ends up calling the police. The police arrive and arrest Trent, who puts up no fight and did not attempt to eat the officer's faces. He did not. He didn't threaten anyone with a knife, although he did have a pocket knife on him. Turns out that he was not only high on bath salts, he also had a history of drug charges. Oh my god. Uh, according to one of his co-workers, however, he was a good man who worked with the local Boy Scouts, as well as a local church program that was designed to help convicted felons who are currently in prison. <laughs> That being said, the co-worker did elaborate on Trent's behavior on the day of the break-in, describing it as mentally unstable, and Trent was ultimately charged with burglary. (laughs) Okay. He was, however, very polite. You gotta give him kudos for that. You know, he should get a He didn't hurt anything except for possibly the back door. Can you imagine how, how impressed the family would have been when they got up the next morning and there were candles lit and... Wreath hanging on their garage. A little Christmas door. movie playing on TV. Yeah, 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 exactly. Nice. <laughs> Please don't break into my house. Well, we really encompassed a lot today. We sure did. Some traditions, some criminals, some good fella stories. Some what not to do stories. A few what not to do stories. We encompassed a lot. Mm-hmm. Shared a few traditions of our own. Yeah, fun. we did. Yeah. yeah, you know, you bring back some memories, too, when you talk about that kind of stuff. I know, and it's they're good memories. Yeah. Awesome memories. So being that Christmas is only five days away, however you celebrate it, whatever you call it, food you eat, the people you hang with, be safe, be happy, enjoy it. And for those of you who can't be with your loved ones, many of us won't be, take a few minutes to give them a phone call. Yeah. When all of this is over, the Christmas presents will still be waiting. Your loved ones will still be there with a hug. Yeah. I personally would rather have an empty ta- chair at my table on Christmas Day because we choose to be safe than to have an empty chair at my table permanently because we chose not to, to be not safe. be safe. This Christmas will be different for many of us. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere, exactly. guys. But it doesn't change the, the love. The meaning. It, it doesn't, doesn't change, change the, the meaning. meaning. The meaning's still there. You can still do good for your neighbors. You can still good for your community. Take a few minutes and learn how to use Zoom or FaceTime or Skype. Celebrate with your families that you can't be with and your loved ones by, by video, phone. 
maybe we take and we make this particular Christmas a little bit less materialistic. Yeah. And a little more emotionally involved. Christmas every year, but more so than ever this year, isn't about the stuff. No. And more than ever this year, be thankful for the ones you have. Absolutely. Because our time with our loved ones is not guaranteed. No. It's never guaranteed. We never, ever, ever are going to get a guarantee in life. So. On that note. Yeah, it was a little bit longer today, but we told a lot of really cool Christmas stories. We kind of did it a little differently than normal. Our next one will probably have a regular story like it always does. Yeah. Um, but we just kind of felt for the for the holiday that we should do something a little, a little bit different. Idea. Yeah. And I couldn't find any long Christmas stories, so we just took a bunch of short stuff and and did a lot of laughing. We always do. And we do appreciate the time that you spend with us. We appreciate your listening to us. We appreciate your ideas and your comments. And above all, we appreciate the fact that you're willing to take a few minutes out of your day to support our crazy idea <laughs> to share some things that you might not have ever really needed to know. Yes, but once they're in your brain, they'll never leave. <laughs> I've learned so many interesting things researching for this podcast. Things that I, I honestly, I would not have known otherwise. I wouldn't have Googled them. I wouldn't have looked them up. But because of this podcast... My brain has extended in a lot of different directions and they're fascinating and they're cool and they're and they're wonderful and there's so much goodness out in the world, there's craziness out in the world and we're discovering it. And you know, sometimes your stories leave me going, Are you serious? <laughs> sometimes. And sometimes your stories leave me going, That's really amazing. That's awesome. But every week I learn something new. And yeah. I laugh, and everybody can always use a little more knowledge and a little more laughter. In Absolutely. Their lives. You can always, always find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. We're at Gmail at TMSIDNTK, and we're also at Twitter at TMSIDNTK, which are the initials, obviously, for the podcast. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Anchor sponsors our podcast, so you can always find us on Anchor. You can find us on pretty much any of the podcast platforms that you listen to your podcasts on. So normally the podcast is co-hosted by Andrew, but his life has been incredibly chaotic lately. So, Johanna, so now you're stuck with me. Johanna kindly stepped in again with us. Anytime. We appreciate it. You definitely bring a lot of laughter to the table. <laughs> definitely do. I bring a lot of laughter to my own life because life is short. It and is. And we should all just be happy. Yes. It is. You're right. So much. So our final thought till next time. Yes, Mary. You really need to stop rolling your eyes out loud, Hannah. <laughs> but people make it so easy. <laughs> Bye, guys. Good night.